Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. Friends, welcome to Diner Talks with James. I'm James. Thank you so much for coming in and hanging out with me. We got a really exciting episode. Tara Fuller is on the show today. She is exquisite. I'm excited for you to hear about her thoughts on life and some interesting things that she has been up to. We share some different beliefs on some stuff, and uh, I'm excited to, to get into a little bit of that and learn on this podcast with you. My friends, it is time for the top three, top three. Let's go. Okay. Top three, top three. This first one came from Dan, the man lavender, Dan lavender. Shout out to you. Go tigers. Uh, so he asked favorite shoe brands, favorite shoe brands. Now here's the thing. There are not many clothing stores that know how to dress a big man. Okay. Not many, sh- not many stores know how to dress a big man. When you tell me that you have a shirt that is double X, I rarely believe you. Okay. I rarely believe you because you don't know what's going on over here. Okay. Your double X. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what's going on and I'm not switching. I'm not switching to the, the hula, the hula shirts. I'm not going into the Hawaiian shirts. I refuse to be the big man that only rocks Hawaiian shirts. My friends, I am the party. I don't need to wear the party. Okay. So there's a few stores that don't know how to dress a big man. Here's the thing with shoes though is that regardless of what I'm wearing up top, if I got some crispy shoes on (laughs) y'all, let's go. (laughs) So I am a shoe game. I actually have uh, more shoes than my wife. So that's a fun fact. Anyway, top three favorite shoe brands. First off, number three. Number three was kind of a tie. This is new brand called Taft that I really love, but they're kind of pricey, so I feel douchey saying that. But I really like this brand called Taft. They and by saying Taft, do not even look them up because they will berate. They will berate your social media feed. As a matter of fact, just me saying this, if your cell phone is anywhere near us right now, you will now have Taft come up on Instagram, Facebook, and everywhere. I'm sorry. Good thing their shoes are beautiful. Anyway, I recommend them. They're beautiful. But my third favorite shoe band is actually Clark's. And when they say Clark's, when I say Clark's, I'm talking about one specific shoe that they make. They make the Wallabies, and the Wallabies are my favorite shoes of all time. Here is my favorite set of pair of shoes that I've ever had. My pair of shoes, I mean one. There's another one. I just didn't bring it. But this is my favorite shoe that I've ever owned in my life. This is a Clark's Wallaby. They got the Creeper Soul. They're a good time, y'all. Shout out to them. Number two, Nike. I'm out here. You know what I'm saying? Jay's on my feet. Jay's on my feet. Bet you can't do it like me. Hey, all right. So, shout out to Nike out here. We got to be out here looking crispy in this Nike. You know, I got the swoosh on. So, Last but not least, my favorite shoe brand of all time is Cole Haan. My friends, it just feels like you're walking on a damn cloud. Okay, I don't understand how I can look so good and feel so good at the same exact time. Cole Haan is my favorite brand of shoes, but they're expensive. I have never bought a pair of Cole Haan shoes that was not in a Cole Haan outlet because your boy ain't got that normal retail store money yet. We'll get there, but that's what I do. What's your favorite shoe, man? What kind of shoes do you rock? Yo, shout out. Mom and dad are in the house. What's up, mom and dad? Thanks so much for chiming in. Appreciate y'all being here. 
Antonio Neves in the building. What's up, Neves? I love it. I love it. First top three, top three, done. Next top three, airports. Remember those? Those were cool. I miss airports, y'all. Did a lot of traveling in my life. Uh, and and particularly when I, with my job as a professional speaker, I get to travel for a living. It's awesome. And I love it. My top three favorite airports. First, Asheville, North Carolina. It's a smaller airport. Otherwise, I'd probably rank it higher. But it's a smaller airport. To- the view, the view coming into Asheville through the Appalachians is stunning. It is stunning coming in. And then once you're there, there's a whole bunch of really cute shops. And uh, it's just it's just an adorable airport. It smells good. A lot of airports don't smell good, but the Asheville airport smells good and it's super easy to get through. Next, let's talk about some bigger airports because the little airports are always the better. But MSP, my current home airport, Minneapolis-St. Paul, they literally took a chunk of the Mall of America and put it into the terminals. So there's some banging shopping all throughout. Uh, There's also some really great food in MSP, and it's just a really easy airport to navigate. It's clean. Last, Charlotte. CLT. Here's the thing about the Charlotte airport. There's only two things. There's only two reasons why the Charlotte airport is my favorite airport. Those two things are number one, Bojangles. If you ever want me to rank my top three favorite fast food chains, Bojangles is number one. I am a Bowberry biscuit boss. All right. If you don't know, you need to know. And if you know, you know. So also they have beautiful rocking chairs. And what's a better way to pass the time than a rocking chair? You can't feel stressed and sit in a rocking chair at the same time. So I just love that about the Charlotte airport. Uh, Scott, great question. MSP, uh, that would be terminal one, uh, terminal one. Great question though. I appreciate it. Yes, Keith, you already know. Go Tigers, Keith. You already know. Charlotte, those, those things. Uh, I like it right here. Shout out Tina. Tina's favorite is Indianapolis because she'll tell you it was the first airport that was designed after 9-11. So there's all these cool features in it. Anyway, Tina's also an AV geek like I am. I'm here for it. That's the second top three, top three. Last but not least, my boy, my boy asked me. My boy Borman asked me, what are the top three ways that you are staying positive during quarantine and COVID-19? Here's my top three, top three ways that I am staying positive during those moments. First off, I eat four bowls of cereal a day, at least. Next, I go on regular peanut butter cup binges. Next, the fetal position. (laughs) Friends, I'm just playing with y'all. I'm just, I'm well, not really, I really do eat that much cereal, actually. I'm trying to cut back, but it's just so damn good. And we're not allowed to have peanut butter cups in the house anymore because it became a damn problem. It became a problem. So here are my actual top three ways that I've stayed positive during this time or tried to stay positive because I've certainly had my days. I've definitely had my days where I'm like, this shit ain't gonna end. I don't know when it's gonna end, right? Um, and I'm talking about it like it's a sentence. So, But the top three ways that I'm doing, first off, Tina and I take daily walks. We walk for about three miles every single day. We walk up the Mississippi River on one side, back down on the other side, and it's absolutely beautiful. Our friend Betsy joins us from time to time, and we love that. But that's just been really important to get out, get some fresh air, get out of this apartment. We don't have a backyard. We live in an apartment, so that's just a really crucial moment. It's also intentional time with my partner, which I really love. So that's number one. That's that's one of the most important things that I've done this time. Also, 
Uh, I have ridiculous text message chains with my friends. Uh, and so those have also made me happy. Me and my boy, Dan Lavender, who I mentioned earlier, sending ridiculous memes back and forth. I got my crew from back home. We just send absolute preposterous pictures back and forth and we make fun of each other. It feels like each one of us is a new target the next day, but it's just super fun and it's a lot of good times. And so that's been really fun to get into that. And last... The last way that I found positivity during this time is seeking opportunity. We would not be talking today right now. If you would not be watching this show right now, if I didn't take a chance on the opportunity that quarantine has presented itself, there's a big part of me that's like, listen, why not try something? Worst comes to worst. If it fails, I can tell everybody, well, yeah, I tried that <laughs> in quarantine and everybody be like, <laughs> right? So there's no risk right now. There's no risk. Why not try something? And so that's why we're doing this. That's why Diner Talks was born. It's been an idea that I had for five or six years, and I finally got out of my own way to do it. And so it's recognizing that this is the time for opportunity. Top three, top three, y'all. I just dropped my phone. It probably broke. Please send me money. Those screens are expensive. Let's jump into the show, y'all. I'm really excited about my uh, my guest that is coming in here. Really excited about uh, Amanda. I got you. I got you. Put it in for next week. We'll do my top three, top three favorite cereals. All right. Don't get greedy. It's not top three, top four or top four. Top, I don't even know what it would be anyway. So <laughs> but shout out to you, Amanda. Hope Myrtle Beach is doing great. My friends. I'm really excited about my guest coming up here today. Her name is Tara Fuller. And Tara and I have had some incredible conversations in our life together, stemming back when she worked at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. Uh, and we've had some really awesome, she showed me around the town of Baltimore while we had great deep conversations. She gets me up earlier than anybody else does at conferences because she is worth it. I am a night owl. And so I go to bed at 3 a.m. But Tara's like, can we do breakfast at 7? Sure, Tara, sure. So anyway. Anyway, so that's what I love about her because she is worth getting up for and she's worth you hanging in on this situation. So she's an incredible speaker, a really powerful advocate, and she's got some really amazing stories. Let's start that slow clap right now for let's get it in here. Tara Fuller. What's up, Tara? You know, it's Good funny because you. I am not a night owl. I'm a morning person. So you are worth staying up past 9 p.m. for wow yeah would you normally yeah. be in bed right now yeah i would i mean so quarantine yeah. i've been up a little bit later but generally mm -hmm. speaking i'm in bed like between 8 30 and 10 yeah okay yeah. i respect it i, I mean mm -hmm. i guess i respect it i don't understand it i get these random bursts of productivity that hit me around 11 p hiccup that hit me around 11 p.m. and yeah. then I can literally go hard straight through 4 a.m. I don't understand it. Um, it's almost like once the rest of the world is asleep, I can no longer um, feel bad about missing something or like caring mm. about what Tina's doing. Instead, it's like, this is just you and your laptop, bro. Let's get to work. Um, so yeah, that's funny. I hear you. I also, we are a little different, except that my favorite airport is also Charlotte. It is. And there are a lot of haters out there about the Charlotte airport. That's fine. Haters going to hate. What do you love ah. about the Charlotte airport? I know it's the rocking chairs. It's not Bojangles. The rocking chairs got me when I was a leadership consultant for 80 pie. The rocking chairs got me. It was just so peaceful. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Asheville also has rocking chairs. Fun fact about the Asheville airport. Maybe I just need a rocking chair at this point. I should That do Diamond Talks like with James thing. in a rocking chair. <laughs> 
Come over here, boy. Sit on my knee. Now let's not make it awkward. Here's another interesting thing is that I happily get up for you in the morning uh, because I'm a giant accommodator. I'm a giant accommodator. And like I... Uh, I also have this fear that if I don't accommodate to you or to anybody, that I'm all of a sudden going to like lose your friendship, right? Like I haven't, my Achilles here is that people need, I need people to like me and whatnot. So the idea that I could be like, listen, Tara, I can't get together when you want to get together is, is like the equivalent in my head of being like, Tara, screw you. <laughs> And it's so interesting. That's the way I write it in my head. I'm a big accommodator to people, though. So I happily get up for you for a number of reasons. But I also, once I'm up, I'm happy that I'm up. Yes. So, yes, I hear sure. that. I hear that. Yeah. yeah you know, I, I also have that thing of, like, coupling approval and liking. Mm -hmm. Like, people liking me. So trying to make sure that I'm doing all the things that I need to be doing. The reason I, I saw that Christina shouted out my chair. The reason that this chair is yellow is because yellow in the chakra system is um, associated with personal power. So to better stand in my personal power, I wanted something yellow in my space. Mm -hmm. There you go. There you go. First off, Tara, you just said something that I don't think I understand. Yes. <laughs> so you just said the word chakra. Um, and the only thing I'm thinking of is Shaka Khan. Um, and who is, who is worthy of mentioning, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but uh, alas, that's not what we're talking about here. Tara, what is, what is a chakra? So I don't know that I can articulate it super well because I'm fairly new to sh the chakra system. But it is okay. an energy system. I don't know where it originated and I don't want to appropriate because it certainly did not originate with my Irish German folks. However, it is a system <laughs> no, that exists. Sounds very, sounds very Irish. <laughs> Irish. I know. I know. Uh, so there are seven chakras that are associated with parts of the body and they each represent different parts of the emotional system as well. So it starts with red, goes to orange, yellow is in your solar plexus. That's the personal power one that I've been focusing on for several years now um green blue is your throat purple is your third eye and then pink like magenta i think it comes out the top of your head and that's your connection to the divine fascinating yes so okay first off I don't, have any of you ever done jamie says this is yoga language that's good um so, so, yeah uh, I, yep. I don't know if i don't know if, if any of you have experienced and done some chakra work energy work i'd love to hear about it uh just tell me really quick in the uh in the in the chat if you've done this kind of stuff this is brand new to me and now we've hung out before and you've mentioned chakras and i think i've just kind of like glanced past it because i was like she just said a word i don't know and i want to look <laughs> smart so let me change the subject so when did you first get, would you say, in tune with your chakras, become aware, like become a, like when did this chakra system even become an option for you in your world? Yeah, so I think it was 2017-ish, maybe. Um, Amanda actually will remember this. She was in New Orleans with me. I had just started learning about chakras, and there was a woman at this flea market we were at, and she had different oils associated with different chakras. So there are like different scents associated with each one as well. And I bought this roller ball that had to do, it was yellow, had to do with the third chakra. And I was like, cool, I really am trying to get in tune with my personal power. This is associated with that. Let's just see what happens. Why not no, give it a shot? A second. 
rollerball. I'm immediately picturing those <laughs> new like green things that you're like, hang on a second, let me cleanse my pores. No, 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 no. For my face. No. What is a rollerball? Uh, <laughs> there. <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know, like you would apply like perfume or something. Yeah. Okay. Or cologne. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh yeah. One yeah. of those. Okay. Yeah. For sure. Amanda remains. Remember. Yes. Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, I appreciate okay. you. Rollerball. I got you. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No. I've had yes. plenty of people try to sell me DoTerra. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. <laughs> um. So I don't know if I had known much about it prior to then, but mm-hmm. that was definitely one of the things that I remember. I still purchase stuff from that vendor because I loved her stuff so much. Um. And so that's when I first started being like, huh, this is interesting. And it's also associated with like pains in the body. So like if you're having back pain, you can look up like what chakra is that associated with? And is there some emotional stuff that I need to work through in order to help that physical pain that's manifesting physically for me? So it's been a couple of years, but I still feel not very fluent on it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, that, that makes sense. It doesn't sound super concrete. Um, and it sounds like a very personal thing as well. Um, and, and and I don't say that in a condescending way. I say that in a uh, it's it's a journey to learn about your chakras and how they manifest in your in your body. Um, so. Um, so you mentioned that you're working on the personal power chakra. Tell me more about that. That's chakra number. What was it? Three, four, yellow. Three. What was it? Chakra Red, number three. Okay, okay, yellow. My yellow chair. It's in your solar plexus. And um, yeah, personal power is very much like speaking up on behalf of other people is something that I do well. Speaking up on behalf of myself, not always so much like sharing an opinion or pushing back on someone because like you said, I couple it so much with, well, do are they going to like me? Or if I challenge their opinion, are they going to be like, oh, I'm not, not friends with her anymore. Oh, interesting. So do you make, in turn, do you make yourself feel smaller sometimes in those moments to try to avoid that moment? Like, is that like when, when you're not, when you're not holding your personal power, is that what it looks like? Does it look like you making yourself feel smaller? What is it? How does that? Yeah. What's that look like? I feel it in my body. I like can feel that I'm like hot and like, Oh, I don't agree. And I should challenge them or I should call them out or I should say something. And then I don't. So it's very much just silence. I don't know that I make myself smaller necessarily, but it's very much just like being silent and not asking for what it is that I need. That's the other part of it is it might not even have to do with challenging anybody, but people might be like, oh, we're going to go do this. And I might be like, I really need to go to sleep. But if I go to sleep, then I'm going to miss out on this and they're going to think I'm not fun. So I can't express my needs right now. So really just shutting down my own needs in order to, like you said, accommodate other folks. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. How has, when you say that you've been working on your chakra, when you say that you've been working, like, what does that work look like for you? Like, how does one work on a chakra? Hmm, Interesting. So it's a lot of body work. Um, So I've been to this retreat twice now with um, one of my best friends, Ashley. We've gone to this retreat um, two different times called the Shalom Retreat. It's a lot of body work. And sometimes it is actually just like moving energy through your body. Um, So whether that's through breath work, whether that's through yoga poses or stretching, it's dancing. I have a lot of dance parties in my apartment just to like move some energy if I feel stuff is stuck. Um, So that is definitely, I do live alone. Yes. (laughs) Yep. I just want to make sure everybody's picturing this. Yeah. uh, It's a great (laughs) time. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's a really, really banging time. Yeah. 
Yeah. So just moving that energy has been really important. Um, I see a therapist now that does something called somatic experience, which connects to the nervous system. Um, and so that also, or Reiki, she also does Reiki. And so that's when that's, I think Chinese medicine, again, not trying to appropriate. These are things that folks that I know, know a lot more about. Mm -hmm. And, um, so she will like place hands near me and move some energy throughout my body. It seems very woo woo. If you don't, aren't like familiar with it. And I, like I said, I just was sort of like, I'm going to buy in and see what's going on. Um, but when I went to my first retreat, we did a lot of work in my first chakra, which is the chakra, the red, it's red. And it has to do with your safety and security and your sense of belonging in some sort of community. So that was where I needed to do a lot of my work was around belonging. Interesting. Um, was around belonging. Let's come back to that. But it, I think it's interesting because I think you, you had mentioned this to me before, but uh, there's a thing. We're both a higher ed nerds. And so Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, are, it's almost like they're, are they kind of not necessarily paired, but do they mirror each other a little bit? I would say that they do in a lot of ways because the they're very like foundational, right? So Maslow is like, you need your food and your basic needs met in order to even get to the higher levels of the pyramid. And I would say that it's, I, again, I'm not as familiar with how chakras work, but a lot of times if you have a blockage in your lower chakra and enter some energy that's stuck, it's harder to get to this like self-actualization. I'm connected to everything and everything is in me sort of place. Yeah. So yeah, I would yeah. say that it's, so I just read a book and I, I shared this with you. Um, called Anatomy of the Spirit, which has taught me a lot. It's by Caroline Miss, M-Y-S-S. And she overlays the chakras with the sacraments from Catholicism and the tree of life from Kabbalah. And so I do think when you think about then Maslow too, we're all really trying to figure out how life works yeah. and how we work as humans and why we feel the things that we feel and why we get sick and why people try to control other people and what does power look like? And so I think when she overlaid them, I was like, this makes so much sense. Like we're all trying to make sense of a lot of the same stuff. Um, and so I just really bought in. And I think that that's why some of that work has, has helped me a lot. Yeah. That's powerful. And here's what I love about this Tara is that there are so many things that we could do. Right. There's so many things that we could try when it comes to, uh, you know, some of these experiences, some of these somatic experiences, some of these I want to get better. And you I mean, there is there, there's your yoga, there's your Reiki, there's your your chakras, there's there's the uh, there's just straight up traditional religions. Um, there is chiropractics. There is all there's there's massage. There is every there's so many things that you could do that oftentimes it's paralyzing. It's like, where do I even start? Like I, for, I, for example, maybe four months ago, started seeing a chiropractor, but I didn't want to go to a chiropractor that was going to like wail away from me and just like crack my bones. Um, and just be like, let's pop all this. Okay, cool. There goes my spine. Um, <laughs> I've never heard it sound like a Ziploc bag before being opened. Uh, so that's comforting. But instead I found this, uh, this, this chiropractor is my buddy Ty. Um, and, and, uh, and, and what he does is it's very interesting where he, he kind of feels throughout your spine where you're carrying the most stress or where those blockages are for you. And there's certain places where those blockages occur down the spine.
spine, almost like chakras, where he's like, we need to open up this blockage because you're not able to send, your nerves aren't able to flow as smoothly, your blood is not able to flow as up and down as smoothly throughout the main avenue in your, uh, you know, of, of your spine, of your body to be able to get to all these different places. And so that's why, since it's getting blocked here, it's manifesting tightness here or carrying stress here or, um, or, or things like metabolism. And so it's very interesting because instead of him cracking my back, he has this little thing um, that almost, I don't even know, it, it's almost like, a, it feels like someone's like kind of like bumping, just like one bop with you with a finger. Um, and, uh, and he puts it a certain place on my spine and a certain side of my spine where he can feel this tension and he hits this, it's a trigger and it pops the thing and it doesn't hurt, but I can definitely feel it. It's just pressure. Um, and then he holds his finger there. He holds his finger there and he's like, I want you to think about where my finger is right now. Keep thinking about, go up and down your spine and think about where my finger is. I need you to run things down there. And it is fascinating. But when I first went there, I was like, what the actual hell is this bullshit? <laughs> yep. <laughs> right? I was like, I came in here because my back hurt, bro. I didn't come in here for some like spiritual thing. And like, but it was so interesting because it did help. It just took a little bit longer, right? Like sometimes that quick release of having a pop, it's like, boom, it pops. And all of a sudden now I have freedom in my neck. Um, but it took a little bit longer, but ideally it lasts a little bit longer as well. But what you did which is a little bit of what I did. We said similar things at this point in our life was that let me just buy in. Let me just, let me just go. Cause if I go there with the extreme amount of doubt of like, why am I actually wasting all my money right now? Then I'm never going to be able to get anywhere. Right. And so where we buy in, in our lives is so important. Where are the places where you choose to commit, where you choose to try, where you choose to love. Uh, and so that's what I love about what you were talking about there, Tara, um, because that's not always easy to do. So let me ask you, because in at these retreats that we've got that Ashley and I've gone to a friend of ours, her name is Maba. She has said the body holds the wisdom. So trauma, anything that you've experienced, your body holds on to that. Even if you're like, I'm totally over it. I forgave that person. Or I don't even remember that thing from when I was a child. But your body yeah. holds on to it. And um, so I'm wondering if you've noticed a difference. Like, have you noticed any sort of shift in the work that you've been doing with your chiropractor? I have noticed a little bit of a shift. I'll be honest with you. COVID-19 didn't come at the best time. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, and so, so there's a little bit of that, uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I would say that it was going, I would say that it was moving along slower than I had wanted it to. Um, and that's because when you have pain, you want the pain to just be gone. You don't want to take the slow route to pain, uh, a, a, a That's a new word uh, sure. <laughs> to relieving the pain. You want the fast route, fix it now, give me the drugs, do the surgery, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so, uh, but I did notice that I was moving more freely after time. It's now come back um, during this time because I'm carrying a lot of stress and I mm -hmm. carry a lot of stress in my hips and my lower back and up here as well. Uh, and so, yeah, so that, that's how I would answer that. Yeah. So I, I always ask because now I know the some of the language is like, well, where do you feel it in your body? Or what is your body trying to tell you? 
get still and just like listen to the pain. Like, what is that trying to tell you? Which can be really scary because you're like, oh, I don't want to listen to my body right now because I'm scared yeah. of what it's telling me, frankly. Um, but that's the language that I've sort of learned to be like, huh, why does this hurt today? Like, let me just sit in it for a second and try and figure out what's going on. That must be so nice. What I do is, huh, my body hurts today. Who else can I help and fix and ignore myself? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Like, right. that's what I do. It's like, let me pour myself into other people so that I don't feel like I'm just a worthless pile of blank. You um, need some yellow so, in your life, James. I do, I do need some yellow. You need you know, some that's yellow. That's my life. dad's favorite color. I wonder if there's something about that. Uh, interesting. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's interesting as we're both accommodators is one other thing about you um, that uh, that I think is interesting that is that you are vegan. Um, mm-hmm. You are vegan. Um, and, uh, uh, and and so there's a reason why one reason why I don't know if I've ever be able to be vegan is because of this accommodator streak in me. Like the idea I fear and I feel I feel like a dumb amount of needless empathy for the person on the plane who, when someone comes on the speaker and they're like, we're not going to be able to serve peanuts today because someone has a peanut <laughs> allergy. So none of you all can have peanuts and almonds, right? Like there's part of me that's like, that would be my nightmare. You just inconvenience 300 people. Like that is my <laughs> actual hell, right? <laughs> um, and so, so interesting around veganism this is a this is a powerful choice that you've made. You've been vegan for some time. Uh, and I know you fluctuate between vegetarian and vegan as well. And what now? We don't need to get into the nuances of it. But how is that part for you as someone who also t- uh, can be an accommodator from time to time when you're not having those good personal power days? You know, it's it, that's I love that. Um, one thing that I think is interesting too, right, is the person on the plane is maybe inconveniencing folks, but it's inconveniencing folks because like they could die, right? Whereas I might be inconveniencing someone or calling a restaurant ahead of time as a choice that I've made. Mm-hmm. This is not like I'm I'm not gonna nothing's going to happen to me if I were to have a steak. That's yeah. that's just it's just a personal choice. <laughs> um, for me, because I'm an accommodator, I tend to just and I don't generally ask for what I need. I just don't share. So I'm like, oh, I'll just figure it out. Like, I'll just eat some lettuce. It'll be fine. Um, so that is really my approach. And I get potentially <laughs> that's, out for you? <laughs> you know, eating a lot of lettuce. No, I, yeah. I also tend to just bring my own stuff. Like, I'm like, mm. I'm not going to inconvenience anybody. So let me just bring these things that are vegan. And I've had to coach my parents a lot on this conversation because I would, I used to bring stuff like to Thanksgiving or to Christmas. And my mom would be like, that's Tara's it's vegan. And I'd be like, mom, if other people can eat it, like I'm not eating weird (laughs) things. This is a poison label. (laughs) Right. Exactly. This is Tara's you'll pass out if you eat it. So just nobody touch it. So she's learned not to do that anymore. And people will be like, oh, this is so good. And then they're like, you made this? And I'm like, yeah, I did. I did make it. So it's vegan. You're welcome. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, So that's generally what I tend to do. And then I will have people who are like, oh, you're coming to this bridal shower. Um, What do you need to eat? And I'm like, I'll just talk to the server when I get there. Like, you don't need to accommodate me. So I try to lay low. I try not to be the stereotype of folks who are vegan and be like, I'm vegan. Let me tell you all the reasons. And here's my pamphlet because I'd like you to become vegan too. I try not to be that person and just to move around sort of silently in that. Um, And if folks want to talk about it, I'm happy to talk about my decisions and and stuff. Mm -hmm. But that is definitely the approach that I try to take. I just show up with my own meal 
or I eat lettuce and drink some water. That's, yeah. that's okay. Really, that's yeah. the move that you do. Being an accommodator is one of the interesting, especially being in a relationship for me. Uh, it, it has taken me a long time to be like, no, here's what I want. This is what I'd like. Mm-hmm. Because in the beginning, it's just like, don't mess it up. If you say what you want, they're going to leave you. They're going to think you're weird. They're going to think you're controlling. They're going to think you're demanding or you don't care about them. And so it, it's weird how I bring that into friendships and relationships as well. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah. And those are things that I, I love to hide. Um, but when they come out, you're also embarrassed a little bit because your friends are like, why don't you just tell me? Yes. Right. Like if I found out that you were accommodating to me during our first, whatever meals, I would then feel doubly terrible. Um, and that's also on me, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a weird cyclical thing. That has definitely happened where I've been out with people several times, like groups of friends. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go to like Texas Roadhouse. I don't I've actually never been there. I don't know why I use that as, <laughs> as an example, but First we'll off, go to their places. Buttered rolls are incredible. They got I, honey butter. It's delicious. This, podcast, this, uh, this show is actually sponsored by Texas Roadhouse. Texas so Roadhouse. Thanks for awesome. bringing it up. Good. You're good welcome. Plant, Tara. Yep, okay, keep going. Happy to do it. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, and like the fifth time we go out to eat, they're like, oh, you're vegan. I had no idea. I guess I wasn't really like paying attention to what you've been eating. I'm like, yeah, like it's totally fine that we've gone to these really meaty places for the last five meals that we've had. No big deal. Um, So I definitely have seen that. But on the flip side, I'm also super um, assertive. And maybe this is me practicing my personal power with servers. Yes. Okay. So if I say like, hey, I love this meal. No cheese, no sour cream. I'm picturing a Mexican restaurant, no cheese, no sour cream. And they're like, okay. And I see them write it down. And then my meal comes. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, like, nope, I'll, I'll send it back. Like I asked for this and you wrote it down. And yeah. I generally was not that person prior to being vegan, but like, I now can't eat this or I won't eat this. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm polite about it, of course, though. There have been people that are like, you were just super assertive with that waitress, like that waitress or that servant. I'm like, I, I asked for it or this is the third time I've had to send it back now. So yeah, right. I am yeah. going to be a little bit shorter with them. And if, yeah, and if you're paying for something like let's, let's get it right out here. Like I'm entitled to the experience that I wanted to have at your, at your establishment. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. I appreciate that. Tara. Uh, I, I definitely appreciate that. And I, I like the way that you said it. And I, I'm glad to hear that you are assertive in those moments too, uh, because we all know those individuals who order something, it comes out in front of like, Oh no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. No, you, you, no. you, you ordered a salad. You have a giant lobster on your plate right now. Like <laughs> right. what is like, right. it's not fine. Um, no, so nothing fine about uh, that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So Tara, let's do this. Let's play a quick game. It's called things you didn't know you needed to know about me. All right. So, yeah. uh, things you didn't know that you needed to know about me. We'll kind of go back and forth and see what comes up for both of us. Are we ready? I'm ready. Perfect. I am an Italian. Uh, uh, no, I've said that one before. Different one. Uh, I have had the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? The Christmas Carol stuck in my head for approximately six years. Like six years hasn't gotten out of my, like I've had other songs that come in, but I consistently go back to, and I, here's the thing. I only know a few words. I only know, do you hear what Mm -hmm. I hear? 
right? It's like, a star, a star. Oh, sing it, yeah. Don't know anything else. Don't, couldn't tell you the next words. Couldn't tell you, like, I could, I, could, I could hum along with the melody, but I have had that same, I have no idea. I now make up songs about Tina with it, right? Like, why are you so much trouble? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> That's, it's, 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 I don't, I cannot get it out of my head. I don't know why I keep coming back to it. There's a fun fact. I will now have that stuck in my head for, for a few weeks, probably. Great. So thank you for that. Um, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get to Christmas in July and I'll, I'll sing it again. I love it. Um, fun fact about Cotton. me. <laughs> <laughs> I know all 50 state capitals. You know, like, like could like rattle them off right now and just be like, boop. Yeah. Uh, I could, yes. Well, Tara, it's show and tell. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Let's go, Tara. What do you got knowing all 50 state capitals? Here we go. Oh, I'm just it? supposed to rattle them all? Oh, okay, I thought you were going to quiz me. You want me to challenge? Oh, you want to do the quiz thing? Sure, we can do yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's do the guy. That's true. That's more fun. I didn't know if you like had a song. We were like, <laughs> no, like no, it was like no. Animaniacs. You're I do know the state song. <laughs> 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 no. Shout out to the Animaniacs, underrated TV show. Uh, so, really? all right, 50 state capitals. What state capital do you want to test Tara out? Put it in the chat. Oh, no. Uh, Put it in the chat. Let's see. Let's see what we got here. I'll start. Uh, I'll start uh, really simple. Um, what is the capital of Massachusetts? The capital of Massachusetts is Boston. Is Boston. It's not Springfield? No. Springfield is sure. the capital of Illinois. Positive. <laughs> Ah, you're right. <laughs> Thank you, Brian Cotton. Thank you. Hello, nurse. Here we go. New Hampshire, capital of New Hampshire. Oh, Kentucky. New Hampshire. Oh, Kentucky first. Kentucky is Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Real yes. small town. Been there. Had some good barbecue there. Next, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Oh, shit. Am I allowed to curse on here? No. New Hampshire. No fucking. Montpelier no. is Vermont. Um. Boston. <laughs> Sorry. New Hampshire is, um, I want to say woman. Manchester, but that's wrong. And you may have stumped me. And I do know all 50. Is it not Manchester? Is it Man? So no, what we got? Not. We got Manchester, Portsmouth. No. Uh, we got Tim Ford knows. He lives in. Tim Ford knows. Uh, Let's see. He's I can here. do South Dakota. South Dakota. Let's do that. Go ahead. South Dakota is um, Pierre. Minnesota Pierre. is St. Paul. St. Paul. Wyoming, Wyoming is Helena. Helena? I don't even know her. Um, <laughs> Tim, Tim is from, Tim is from Tim, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Tim, what does it start with, Tim? Uh-oh. The flight of the... Concord. Concord, New Hampshire. Yes. Concord. Yes. Thank you, Anne. Yes, thank you, I love Anne. that your little emoji is also a wink. You're like, Concord. Yes. I got you. You got me. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. <laughs> I love it. Uh, um, I love it. Type of jelly, Tim. I don't know if I get this. Do we get this one? Concord is a type of jelly. Concord jelly. jelly. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. sure. What, what, uh, if you were going to have a peanut butter and jelly back when you, I don't know, I don't know if you can still have peanut butter. I don't know how it works. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what would be your favorite jelly that you would have with your peanut butter and jelly? So when I was little, none. No jelly. No jelly. Just peanut butter. Straight up, just peanut butter. Um, Mostly creamy, sometimes crunchy. Now I can do, um, I usually just do grape, good old grape jelly and peanut butter. That's great. Concord yeah. grape jelly. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
Amanda, thank you for confirming. I she I do quiz in the car with the license plate. Yes, there we've been go. on road trips together. You also did just text her and tell her, please tell them that. <laughs> my hands are here. My phone hand is check. not. Hand check. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. When I eat waffles, here's another random thing. When I eat waffles, every single square or partial square needs to have butter in it. And mm. every square needs to get filled almost to the top with syrup before I will start to eat it. And then I will eat it quarter by quarter along the lines. Yeah. What you got? What's your next fun fact? What do I got? I was just picturing that. Waffles sound really good. Um, so I have always been someone that just like creates my own stuff. Um, so fun fact, I created my own major in college, you know, the University of Maryland, hundreds of majors created my own because I just thought, let me just put some majors together. Um, and this, I can remember starting back when I was a kid, I would create these concoctions of shampoo while in the shower. What? Tell you, I got to hear about this. So like we would have like a travel size shampoo from somewhere and I'd take it out of the cabinet, bring it in the shower with me and then be like, let me put some of this of my mom's shampoo and my dad's shampoo and my shampoo and we'll just mix it together. I don't know what I thought I was getting. Like, was it going to help my hair in any way? Like, was, did it smell better? I don't know. But I was always mixing stuff. I, to this day, I'll be like, I really want some sort of recipe. I'll just find a few and then just mix stuff, smell the food and be like, it smells decent. Like, this is pretty good. But not, never have I really just been like, I pick one thing. I'm always just like mixing stuff together, making it up as I go. Okay, hold up. Yes. So if you're in your kitchen, you're like, I'm going to put a dash of this, a splash of that, a pinch of this, a chunk of that. And you're like, boop. Yep. I don't think, I don't, I mean, I have learned here in my 30s how much control matters to me and I don't like that part of me I'm working on it we can unpack that later if you want um, but like the idea that I would just step into a kitchen and just blindly be like everybody take a seat I got this <laughs> I mean I I respect and admire that about you <laughs> thank you thank you I, I appreciate that and nine Absolutely. times out of ten it comes out pretty good that's the why I think I probably continue to do it mm-hmm Okay. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if it's not working, then you stop and you stop. I want to shout out to the few people that thank you, Suzette. Thank you, uh, Jesse and Dan fail. I appreciate you all. Uh, that is the correct way to eat a waffle. I agree. Um, I'm team egregious amount of syrup. So yes, me too. Here, here's something else that I respect about you, Tara. Here's something else that I respect about you is that you are a passionate advocate you are a passionate advocate for others. You talked about it a little bit earlier with your personal power um, and how you uh, you used to be, you're not used to, you just used, hang on, you used to speak up for a lot of other people, but you wouldn't always speak up for yourself. So this is always something that's been innate within you. When you think about advocacy for you, where does that come from? Like why, why does being an advocate so important to you besides the fact that you're just a good person? Oh, thanks. Uh, I think that it probably comes from having felt like an outsider for a lot of my young life um, because I was adopted, um, which I share freely and talk about a lot. Um, and so being adopted, and I always point to this one example that sounds sort of silly and simple, but it's the idea that when I was little, everyone would ask each other what hospital they were born in. 
I don't know if it was at a time where people were, parents were like having their younger siblings or something, but they would ask that question. And I was always like, oh, like I was born in Kentucky. That's all I know. And they were, everyone was always born in one of two hospitals because I lived in a very like homogeneously same, every single identity town. Everyone was white, two parents, heterosexual family, Christian, like then there was our token families that sort of popped up throughout the town. Um, And so that for me, I've always just sort of felt like an outsider. And then I have some memories of when new students would move into school. In the first grade, it happened. And in the third grade, it happened. First grade, it was um, Janet was her name. And her family was from Mexico. Shout out out Janet. Um, Her family was from Mexico. She didn't speak much English. And the teacher was like, you're going to sit next to Tara. And we just sort of hit it off. We taught each other. I taught her English. She taught me some Spanish. And that was, I was just like that kind person. Happened again in the third grade. Anum moved into our town. Um, She was a Muslim student. That was not something that we were familiar with. She, same thing. Teacher just like, oh, you're going to sit next to Tara. So I don't know if like it found me or if it was a part of me or if it's (laughs) a combination or what. I was just like, oh, this is my role. Great. Um, so that has always been sort of how I have shown up, I guess. Yeah, that's powerful. Now, Tara, I was not I was not adopted much to what my parents try to make jokes about. Um, but uh, and, and so so I was not adopted. So I don't I don't have that experience um, that you had. Um, and and. And I know that you don't know anything else, but uh, so what, but what is interesting is that you recently, as in, in the last, correct me if I'm wrong, two years, were able to connect with your biological parents. And, and that went, uh, that was a pretty special time. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've always known that I was adopted. Um, since I was little, I would talk about it like a proud little child, like people like, what's a fun fact? And I'd be like, I'm adopted. And my mom would be like, yes, that's true. And we're very proud of it. But like, relax. (laughs) So that was definitely has always been a big part of my identity. And then I connected with my biological parents in the last five to seven years, I would say, but I met them for the first time. And the fun part and unique part, every adoption, I believe is very unique, but one thing that is unique about my story is that my biological parents stayed together. So they had me when they were in high school. Um, I was put up for adoption. They stayed together. They had my sister, got married, and had my brothers. And so I have three full biological siblings who are phenomenal humans. I love them so much. And so I had this opportunity to be raised as an only child and have two really rad parents and then meet this additional family that I can just sort of add into my village, which has really been an amazing experience. And so, yeah, in March of 2018, I met my biological parents for the first time, my sister for the second time, and then my brothers and their significant others and my nieces all for the first time. And it was really a beautiful, very emotionally draining, but beautiful day. Yeah. I mean, that had to be surreal because I, I mean, genetics are a thing, turns out. Um, and so. <laughs> turns out very much alert. so. Yes. <laughs> the earth's also round. Um, <laughs> so we're really got the hard hitting facts coming in here. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sadly, some people need to learn about those things. But um, so with genetics being a thing, what was it like to meet, meet individuals, particularly I know you and your, your your biological sister, we'll just call her your sister from here on out. Um, your sister, uh, what was it like to meet her? And, and I know there's some, some, some things where you all were like, Oh, Whoa, that's kind of crazy. Like, tell us a little bit more about that. 
Yeah. So my sister and I look very much alike. It is mm -hmm. so wild. Um, the weirdest part to me was that genetics turns out also have to do with your or affect your mannerisms. In my mind, mannerisms were very much learned. Like there are a lot of things that genetics obviously impacts, but mannerisms, I'm like, you see your parents do certain things and I've done things that my parents do. Like my dad and I watching sports, we sit the exact same way. We are zoned in on the game and I look over and I'm like, wow, we are sitting identically. Yeah. But then I got into a room with my sister and I remember my biological dad sitting there looking at the both of us, whacking my brother. And my brother was like, what? And he was like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? They're doing the exact same thing. This is wild. And there was a, a picture. My, my brother's wife was taking photos when we were all together. And there's a picture of me, my sister, Heather, my biological mom. And we're, make, we're standing the exact same way. Like, I don't know what it was. But yeah. when you look at the picture, I'm like, oh, my gosh. We literally just have the same resting, like, I'm listening to you face. And that part was just <laughs> super wild to me. Um, because there are people in my life who are like, I was raised with my full biological siblings, and I look nothing like them. And you all look exactly the same. Yeah, so weird. Crazy. And I also, I would also say, like, I remember asking my youngest brother at one point, he took his hat off. And I was like, can I touch your hair? And he was like, yeah sure i was like i don't know like i know what heather's hair looks like and i know what matthew's hair feels like and he's his hair is my hair but your hair looks a little different can i just touch it he was like yeah all right, all right. which is <laughs> not something normal. that right people who are raised with from my understanding their full biological siblings you're not thinking about like huh is my hair the same texture as this person's hair in my family but for me all of that stuff was just brand new and so that was really wild to just sort of engage in that right yeah yeah, for sure. I can, I can literally can only imagine. Uh, <laughs> um, there are, there is no adoption story that is the same, right? There, there, each one is different and, and the placement and the process that it took to get to wherever the placement was. And, and, and some went through foster care and then got to adoption and some were adopted as like, like every single adoption story is so different. Um, and since having been someone who was not adopted and, and doesn't have that story, what is something that you wish more people knew about adoption, people who are adopted or like, and just in those conversations, uh, and obviously we don't, we don't need to handle them like they're Fabergé eggs, right? Like they're right. badass human beings in this world. So that's not what I'm saying, but I'm just curious if, the, is there anything that you wish people knew or that you wish people would say or not say? Yeah, I think, um, one, to understand that not all adoption stories are the same. That is a huge thing to understand, not to make an assumption like, oh, if you were in foster care, then this is what your life looked like. Or if you weren't in foster care, then your life was better somehow or worse somehow, right? Like not making those assumptions or stereotyping folks. Um, I think for me, I've also learned about just the trauma that goes along with adoption. And I know some folks brought up trauma in talking about chakras. And I didn't realize this until I was seeing a therapist a few years ago. And she was like, you know that, you know, you were adopted as an infant. And so you don't remember it, but your body does like the neuroscience behind adoption says that once you are as a mammal taken away from your biological mom, there is something that your in your body does that it's like, oh, that was a trauma. I was just taken away from this place where I like grew and developed and yeah. became a human. And um, 
my body definitely has held on to that. And so that for me has developed into this need need for security, some anxious attachment stuff. I'm reading this book on attachment styles right now. I just really dive straight into the work. And um, so like the atta- <laughs> anxious attachment is something that's also a thing. And I think it probably comes from that too. Because I had a very loving childhood. I have an awesome, loving family on the front side of my adoption, right? So like my biological family is awesome. My parents are fantastic. I have all of this love. And still, I was struggling with some like depression and anxiety. And I didn't know why. And I felt guilty because I was like, but I'm so lucky. My family and my story is so special. And so I think it's important for people just to know like, no, we don't need to act like everyone who was adopted or who has a story is fragile, but asking about the story and understanding they may or may not want to share some things because there is some pain that's associated with that. And for me, I think that that's been really important too, not to judge, like not to be like, well, my friend Tara was adopted and she met her biological family. You have no desire. You really have no desire. (laughs) Some people are like, I really have no desire. I don't want to talk about it. And I don't want to meet them. Like I have my family and I'm happy the way that that is. So I think just treating every, I mean, as we should maybe in general, but treating everyone who may have an adoption story or who have been in foster care to just ask, understand, allow for their boundaries um, to be where they need to be. Because you might be curious, but it is a very real part of their story and their life. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and and uh, asking almost like asking how you should ask sometimes is is powerful. Like it's like back it up even one step a little bit further. I, I think that I uh, thank you, thank you for teaching me something today. Uh, I really appreciate that, and I'm uh, teaching the listeners as well. I'm sure the viewers. Um, and so, I think that uh, it is. It is so powerful to be able to hear someone's story, but it's also a privilege to be able to hear someone's story. Like not everybody is entitled to your story when they want it, right? Mm-hmm. And and if they don't want to share it to you, that that's fine. Like you got to get over it. Sorry. Um, and you just need to recognize that like not everybody is ready to be at that point or feel safe. And, and we feel safe around different types of individuals or when we're going to share and when we're not going to share. I know that for me with like my low self-esteem issues and things that I struggle with. Not everybody gets that story. A lot of people get the little canned one, the little, the little package that I've prepared for you. Where it's like, here's your little nugget. That's right. Yes. Consider me vulnerable. Um, <laughs> but you don't know the half of yep. it. Right. Um, but uh, so we can graze over it. And, and that's so true with so many things in our life. I think another place where that is true in your life and feel free to correct me if I, if I am wrong, is that in your, uh, um, in, in your learning about your sexuality, um, and, and not, and, and learning about it is in learning what it means for you to be who you are and, and exist in this world. Not everybody gets to just gets to get that whole story exactly when you start to feel something or, or even when you've been in it for a number of years, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden everybody is a safe place. Uh, I think that's a really important thing to remember and the way that we approach individuals and have those conversations matters. We create the feeling of safety. We Mm -hmm. don't demand it. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. I love the way that you just said that. And I think for me, one language thing that I'll say about being adopted, and I would say that this also applies from an LGBTQ and any sort of sexual orientation perspective, is this concept of when I've talked about being adopted, I also have the canned story that I would share until I started digging into some of the stuff around it. Yeah. But 
is the idea of like, oh, well, but what about your real dad? And I'd be like, no, like I have, I have an adoptive dad and a biological dad and they're both very much real. So I'm not entirely sure what you mean by my real dad. Um, and I think it, that goes along with also with sexuality. It's like, yeah, but like, what are you really? Or like, how do you really identify? Or are you really a lesbian if you find this man attractive? Or are you really queer if you don't know anything about the queer movement? Right. And so people just questioning your credibility in any of those identities is like, this is my identity and my story and my process. And so I can be wherever on my journey that I need to be. And so it doesn't make me less real or credible. Yeah. And it's deeply offensive, right? That we have to yeah. credential ourselves. Like that's a point of privilege, right? Like I myself, I never have to credential myself as a straight, white, heterosexual, uh, come from more than enough man. I don't have to walk in the room and be like, here's who I am. Everybody's like, we, we know. We know. We, yep. we all know. Um, and it's so interesting uh, because that is not that is that is a privilege that I have, but that not many uh, that not everybody has for sure. Um, and so for you in your uh, journey of owning your personal power for who you are and and naming your identity and sitting with the with the identities that you have, um, what does that look like? In other words, what does that look like in, in, um, in, in, in that couldn't have always been easy to just come out and uh, come out with like, here's this story and come out with, here's what I think about adoption. Here's what I think about being a member of this community or anything like that. Um, what was that journey like? And, and, and were there people that helped you along the way or like what, what happened there? Yeah, I think, um, I think having control of the narrative is probably something that was always important to me, but I couldn't have named that. So being like, I mean, when I tell you that I used to tell people that I was born in Kentucky because I was adopted, I was selling them adoption as if they really missed out on something. Like that is how hard I was sharing that story. And so I feel like that is the, the way that I've sort of packaged things neatly to be like, no, well, it's like the great, greatest thing in the whole world to be adopted. I was born in Kentucky and it's so cool. And like, you should have yeah. been adopted too, but it's cool. It's fine. I'm, I'm kind of neat like that. Um, and I, so I think having other people tell that story, having a sense of pride in my adoption story particularly has been really important. And then it's also important for me to protect people who are a part of that. So making sure that my biological family and my parents, that they all are okay with me sharing that story. And I think about that with my coming out process as well, is I share certain things about my coming out process. And there are certain things that I don't share because I want to protect folks that maybe didn't have a hard time, relationships that maybe I lost because people just weren't ready to have those hard conversations. I don't always share that in a very public space because I don't think that that's fair because if there's two people that are a part of that story. So I try to share what I can about me and the work that I've done and what I know and not judge someone else for how they maybe have shown up because I need to have the empathy to know like they're in their own sort of place with that. Um, so I, I think from an LGBTQ perspective, it's just been seeing other people own their own identity and yeah. really being able to like follow that and see that representation. And when the representation hasn't been there to be able to like, mm, I need to draw some attention to this because we're silencing people or is there some voices that aren't being heard? Yeah. 
That's so powerful. I I, uh, I I love the I love the way that you just put that, uh, and I think that there's there's so much to be taken away from what you just described. And I know that when I first started to try to become an advocate, an ally, when I when I wanted to be seen as an ally, but I didn't know anything, right? I didn't I didn't even know about myself and what it meant to be who I am, where I'm from, how what I how, how I was brought up and, and all those things. And, and I was brought up in a very liberal, very accepting household, um, but we also didn't talk about these kind of things. Um, and, and not because they were shunned, we just literally didn't talk about them because we didn't have to, right? Again, that's, that's part of privilege is not having to talk about it, not having to think about it. Um, and so, uh, so there's no, no negative commentary on the way I was raised there. Um, but, uh, it is, it is so interesting to think about, uh, the role that we play in creating those spaces for individuals um, to be able to learn, to be able to open up, to be able to uh, to be able to teach, because it's also not the job of oppressed individuals to teach non-oppressed individuals about their oppression. Like that's not why you're here. And so for me, when I first became an ally or an advocate, when I start, first started using those names, I don't even know if I was doing it right yet. Um, I knew I wanted to be that, but I was certainly putting my foot in my mouth left and right. And uh, so I'm grateful for the individuals that took the time to be like, maybe reword that this way, or here's how, here was your intent, but here was the impact. Um, and those kind of moments uh, were super powerful for me. And so I'm just grateful that you came on to this show today, Tara, and, and, and taught us a little bit more about that and a little bit more about your story and uh, keep crushing that yellow personal power <laughs> chakra work, thank you. Tara Fuller. Thank you, thank the work you. that you do in this world matters. Um, thank you for... Uh, shedding so many lights on things that I didn't know uh, that, that I was or could be even. Um, and so thank you for making me a better ally, a better friend, a better speaker. Um, I really appreciate you for sure. Um, if you all you. have some, hell yeah, homie. Yeah. If you all have some questions for Tara, we're going to stick around um, and stick around. But for those of you that are here on the podcast, thank you for listening to this episode. We really appreciate you. Check us out next week when a new episode is coming out. And if you want to hear the Q&A, make sure you jump onto my YouTube page where this video will be posted. Uh, James Robolata on YouTube. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, come on now. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.